I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's like just the hottest, just, just so sexy. Hello and welcome to SyrupCast episode 8. We have survived the launch of Mole Syrup 3.0 and uh, with me to uh, talk about SyrupCast 3.0, actually Mobile Syrup 3.0 and uh, the rest of the SyrupCast topics today are Douglas Soltis. Hello, sir. Worst redesign ever. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, our our loveliest new employee uh, and uh, writer extraordinaire, Jane McIntegert. Welcome back. Hello. Are you there? Uh-oh. Jane is having technical difficulties. Oh, she froze with the not the most flattering facial expression. She's okay. So she's worked for us for like a month and in that time has been on vacation for like... Sorry, you guys. You guys just completely dropped out. So you guys called me lovely and then went away and then you came back and we're like, yeah. she was on vacation. Yeah, while you were gone, I said you said some pretty terrible things. Yeah, we accuse you of being on vacation oh. and uh, of writing a lot and of being a generally genial person. Oh. So yeah, suck it. Far too genial. Well, that'll change. So a few more weeks. How are you guys? Um, so we went through a pretty harrowing day yesterday with the launch of Mobile Syrup 3.0, and uh, we got a lot of feedback, uh, some of it graciously positive, and uh, most of it not. <laughs> so before we get into the tech stuff, let's let's talk about it for a bit, because I know a lot of our, our listeners are going to have opinions on the site, and uh, we just want to kind of touch base and acknowledge that there are some things that we're still going to work on, uh, and we've we've come up with a big list of stuff that's going to change. Some of it is going to stay the same but get better and get generally easier to read, but uh, we do hear you, we do understand, but we think that the, the direction is where mobile syrup needs to go. So uh, that's kind of where we are. What do you think? Uh, Jane, what, what do you think of the design? Obviously, you're not going to speak negatively of it, but, uh, you know, is it is it working for you? Be honest. Um, I think, I think knowing what the, the, you know, the, I think I'm on the inside of it too, so I have a, a different opinion than any of the readers would have. Um, I like it. I think it's fresh and I think it's exciting, but um, obviously there are some changes that need to be made and some things that need to be cleaned up, but I think overall it's for the most part where we want it to be. We just need to tweak it so that Shit ain't broke. <laughs> All right, so, and then it will be good. So let's uh, let's get on that, Doug. You uh, you made a schematic today of what we envision the re-redesign to be, and we appreciate that. Um, yeah, well, so no, okay, we took 
you know, we take reader feedback really seriously at Mobile Syrup, so we definitely, um, and we, we knew there was going to be a lot of feedback because there were a lot of changes that we were making, and a lot of things, the kernels of things implemented that are not yet fully implemented, but we needed to kind of get out and live to then iterate on, so we wanted to see kind of where everyone was at, and as you said, a lot of it was, there was a strong amount of it that was positive, and then there was a lot of it that was constructive in the criticism of, of things that we knew were going to be issues, but seeing to the extent that they were, and, you know, we've gone through, compiled all that, matched it to our issue list and our roadmap, and, you know, we're going to prioritize some things higher than others based upon the feedback, but, um, you know, I, I get what it can be like for, for readers to go to the site that they see every day and see totally crazy extreme differences, um, but we, we knew that was going to happen, and we, you know, we're we're aware of the things that you are gonna find sticky, um, and we're we're working on it. So uh, I think each day they come back, they're gonna see the site be just a little bit better. Yeah, and I I think that's what we have to talk about. That's um, something that we had in mind from the get go. That unlike the previous design, which stayed static from the day it was launched until uh, yesterday, uh, <laughs> the this, the new Syrupcast. I keep conflating that, sorry. The new mobile syrup is going to be a living product, and as a result, we're going to see constant updates, constant iteration, and uh, we're going to have a, a more permanent um, way for people to give us feedback, and uh, I think that'll be good for everybody. So, yeah, thank you again if you've given us feedback. We do listen to it. We can respond to everybody. Uh, and that's that's our PSA. So, Let's get right into the topics at hand. And yet, last week, Doug and I spoke about regulatory, uh, this re the regulatory situation in Canada. We talked about Rogers and and uh, exclusivity agreements, and it was really heavy and technical on the Canadian, um, the Canadian, you know, wholesale wireless market in general. This week, we're going to talk about hardware and uh, make it a little bit more exciting. So what we're going to do is we're going to focus on upcoming devices and compare them to what devices are on the market today. And we're going to start with the Galaxy Note 4, because we know uh, probably more about that than any other phone out there or potentially coming out there in the next month. This is going to launch on September 4th at an unpacked event in Berlin at uh, IFA. And what is going to be different, well, it's going to have a high-resolution res screen, it's going to have a much faster processor, blah, blah, blah. This comes every year. What does the Galaxy Note 4 need, though, aside from better specs to be uh, a, a truly competitive phablet in a market that Doug and I have acknowledged many times in our tete-a-tete -tete, uh, is, is moving down. It, the price of phablets are, are dropping quickly, and they're actually, the trends show are are replacing tablets. So, Doug, what is uh, sorry, Jane, what does this need? Um, I think and this is something that I I think it gets ignored all too often. I know Samsung is working on it. I think that, especially now that we've reached a point where the flagship models are, are so powerful and the sort of the mid-range phones are are what we would have called flagships, you know, even a year ago. I think battery life is super super important, especially for larger screen phones. And I know that. Samsung is doing a lot with the, with their Exynos to make them more power efficient, especially for high resolution displays. But I think Samsung said, I, I think it was in 2011, that 
they're not just made about making bigger batteries, they're about making more efficient batteries and improving battery efficiency in other ways as opposed to just adding more. Um, and I think that that's something that users users don't need, you know, more cores, more RAM, um, to an extent even more storage because we have so many different online solutions, but what people really need is, is for their device to last all day. So, yeah, but didn't the Galaxy Note have no issue lens lasting a full day already? I mean, they had one of the bigger batteries in the market uh, in, in the, the last generation. Yeah, I, I know. I, I still I still have problems. I mean, the Note that I used, I still find myself, okay, well, don't listen to music on your phone all day because that's going to that's gonna affect things, you know, and I would find myself switching devices specifically so I could save power, so. Yeah, what's that's interesting, Sorry, what's interesting about this Note um so the Canadian market will most likely get the Snapdragon version of the right. Note, but uh, the Galaxy Note that's going to be released all over the world will come with Samsung's newest uh, 20 nanometer Exynos processor, which is really interesting because it's based on a. Is it the 20 nanometer? Is because the 20 nanometer is the 5430, and I think the specs that leaked just today that it was. The was it the 5433? Yeah, 54 and we haven't, they haven't talked about the specs for the 5433 yet. I presume they will do that um, on September 3rd. Yeah, but, I mean, you, you can infer that if it's of the same generation, I mean, we're talking about the 30 series, it may be a yeah. more powerful version of the, device, of the chip that's in, the, um, that's in the, the, the Galaxy Alpha, which we'll talk about in a second. But, uh, you know, this... This device will have no shortage of power. It may even have four gigs of RAM. Although somebody, uh, when we posted that article earlier today, pointed out to me that the the 805 and the the 34, the 5433 are probably 32-bit chips, and the addressable memory range of a 32-bit chip is four gigs max, and it's usually only three gigs because you need some overhead. So it doesn't sound like the Note 4 will actually have four gigs of RAM, or if they do, it won't be used uh, in its entirety. But does that even matter, Doug? Do you think that something like this needs 4 gigs of RAM? I mean, that's pretty much what, what a laptop has. Okay, so here's... I know you guys really get off on this stuff, and there was a time that I did too. Um, I, I couldn't care less about the specs. I care about performance, and kind of like what Jane was saying, I, I, I care about how long that performance is sustained, right? So uh, I only care if it's 4 over 3, if I see a notable jump in either the speed of the device, the, the quickness in which apps load, um, a lack of, like, crashing or issues with, the, with that, or if I can use it all day without the battery going to dust. So, you know, for me, you know, th these specs are really great, but I'm wondering how, how well, if, if a lot of this stuff is off the shelf, how well this device can take advantage of those specs and uh, Android 4.43 to really be any different than any other Note or uh, Android device. Like, are, are we going to see in the specs a performance difference? Or is it just going to be, you know, a, a new model? Oh, so we, have, we, have oh. A we have a new... We, <laughs> we have a new entrant in the, uh, the Syrupcast... World. Welcome, Ian. Oh, he's still he's still loading. Um, so yeah, I agree with you there. And I, you know, somebody pointed out when we wrote about the Galaxy Alpha yesterday, which is Samsung's first all aluminum frame device, 
that I said that because it only had a 720p display and only 2 gigs of RAM and this new chip and whatever and, and only 12 megapixel camera that it's mid-range compared to the current crop of high-end Android phones. And they said, well, how can you say that when you always praise the iPhone for its performance even though it only has a dual-core processor and one gig of RAM? And I wanted to uh, respond by saying that you cannot compare iOS to Android and you have to compare different devices across the Android ecosystem because iOS was designed to take advantage of lower RAM counts and the dual-core processor, the A7 inside the iPhone 5S, is actually faster than every single Snapdragon 800-level processor and its graphics capabilities are far superior than any Android device until the Shield, uh, the, the Tegra K1 was released recently. So we're, we're talking about apples and oranges here, and you can't compare the two. So for me... Ian, welcome. Hi. How are you? So, Doug, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so for me, the two specs that stand out, um, and I, I will say that uh, uh, an aluminum body is more interesting to me than maybe the specific hardware specs because that relates to build quality, which has a greater impact upon your device experience more than a chipset almost. But for me, the two things that stood out was the size of the screen and the megapixels of the camera, which are, you know... How big is this thing? Like, this thing will not fit in anything, any article of clothing that I own. It's no, that's just, not you know, true. Fairly tight. <laughs> I, I, I rock the skinny jeans, man. This is not sitting in my front pocket. Um, but then I'm also interested in, in, the, in the camera. Um, and that might just be my use case. Like, I'm not a phablet guy. I doubt I will ever use a Note because it's just... I'll carry, I'll carry a smaller phone and a, a small tablet around with me than use this device. Um, so maybe I'm not the one to get by, but I, I think you're entirely right that the the specs have to be greater than the sum of the individual, and we won't know that until we get our hands on it. Yeah, and I, I think we say that about every Android phone when it first comes out. You know, it's faster than the last generation, but the diminishing returns are palpable these days. You can tell that uh, the... OEMs are really trying to push other features aside from speeds because Android is a pretty fast OS and the limitations it has at the high end are the same limitations as it has in the low end and you're experiencing the same slowdowns on a 2.5 gigahertz quad-core processor as you are on a 1.2 gigahertz dual-core processor because Android itself was not designed the same as iOS. So you know, you, you still have those issues with scrolling, you still have those issues with lag, you still have those issues with uh, app fragmentation, and those aren't going to change until Google gets their act together. And I think with Android L, they have definitely made that push, but we'll see later this year whether that has an impact on devices outside of the Nexus ecosystem. Yeah, and that's a great point. It's like This is the kind of thing where, like, if, if you're going to buy a new phone, you obviously want the most future-proof phone possible but then you're buying this phone hoping that an Android L update is going to really take advantage of the advanced specs, because otherwise it's just, it's just sitting there, right? Although, you know, the commenters uh, on, the, on the post that you had done seem pretty hyped. I'm seeing a lot of take my money and boner. So <laughs> they're, they're obviously excited. Um, yeah, boner is usually an indication. 
of excitement. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Ronnie Ray Gun One. What's up? Uh, so Ian, um, you've you've been an iPhone guy for a while. Um, do you think you could? There's anything that could make you switch to a, a Galaxy Note? Uh, the note, the note for me is too big. Even well, this can be 5.7 inches. It's, it's way, way too big. I think the only, the the I I, I like I like a smaller display. Uh, I think the only the largest display that I've had was a Galaxy S4, or Galaxy S5, right? And I felt that was too big for what I do. I don't watch any uh, TV. Occasionally, I watch YouTube, um, but I just do email. I surf the web. That's it. I, I, I don't know. Like, I'll have to take a look and see. Uh, but I have been an iPhone guy for a very long time. Well, I mean, that, that brings up a good point, right? Um, the Galaxy Note, this is the first year that it seems like the Galaxy Note is not increasing right. in screen size. The first one was 5.3. The second one was 5.5. The third one was 5.7. It looks like we're increasing this year in screen resolution. We're going to 2560 by 1440, which is QHD or Quad HD. But there's no increase in screen size, and it actually might be a smaller device because, like LG, they tend to try to shrink the bezels around the screen to get a more compact chassis. So that could be actually an advantage to people um, looking for a slightly smaller device uh, and Samsung finally acknowledging that they can't keep increasing their phones ad infinitum just to uh, keep pushing this idea that bigger phones are better. Right. Well, what happens when they make it the size of a Galaxy Tab? Well, ah, they they already it. have. The Galaxy Mega is basically yeah. a slightly smaller Galaxy Tab. I don't and believe that phone actually exists. I believe it only exists on the internet. I don't. I've never seen it in the wilds. I don't. It's expect huge. It. And oh, it we your face like this. <laughs> we went to this. Uh, we went to the conference um, when it launched, and uh, they had it sitting next to a Galaxy Note. And it made the Note look like a Galaxy S4 Mini. It was really small. It's ridiculous. I mean, like the the Mega was enormous, and it's really not a practical phone. But I have seen people on the streetcars uh, using one. It's it's quite amazing. Um, but using it as what? Like, as a as a as a, as a phone. As a as, phone. Well, as a communication tool, I guess nobody really uses it as anything as a phone anymore. How many phone calls do you make a day, Jane? One. Two? Not very many. No. Probably yeah, probably less than five for sure. Right. I don't well, make still any phone more calls. Than average, I would say. Yeah. 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 Is that because no one calls or you don't call yeah. anyone? Shut your face, Daryl. I've got my number on all Talk the bus but nobody rings. <laughs> I know, I was uh, I was making a joke. Uh, shout uh, out to Daryl. Yeah. Um and his new puppy. Okay, so do we want to talk about a phone that we all expect to get bigger but in possibly a more rational way? Uh yeah, so I was gonna say Ian, you're saying you like your small screen phones. Doug, you're an iPhone user as well. What uh, what do you think about this potential increase in iPhone size? We're we're looking at a September 9th launch for the iPhone 6. May even be two models with a 4.7 and a 5.5 inch. Uh, does this excite you? Does this frustrate you that Apple's finally succumbing to peer pressure in a way? Doug, what do you think? I wouldn't say it's peer pressure. I think it's uh, the market getting to a point where the education and the expectations have kind of settled where people are okay with, like, you know, we're five years from the idea where a touchscreen device was insane, right? 
where a device that d didn't have a keyboard wouldn't make any sense. So the idea that we're now hitting a point where we exploded in growth, that bigger, 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 more screen, and now, as Jane was saying, it's more about you know sticking to a size and getting better performance out of that. I think it's a perfect time. You know, Apple does things when they when the holistic experience is good for whatever they're trying to do. They're not going to do anything based upon a spec. So I'd be interested. I am interested to see their take on a larger iPhone. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind a, a bit more space, but I, I know they're not going to release something that's larger just for the sake of it being larger, but because they've they figured something out. Um, and I also hope that they keep the options limited simply because one of the biggest benefits of uh, iOS for development purposes is the fact that there's so few screen sizes that developers can really take advantage of. And as you said before, Daniel, that the, the OS is, is really pared down to, take, to really work with a, a small amount of devices. Mm -hmm. um, and the more that they break that out, the more compromises that happen so um, yeah, I, I want to see I want to see what they're doing. I, it's probably going to be bigger. It's going to be a little bit sexier, um, but I don't think it's going to be just because. I think it's because we're like, oh, we figured out an aspect ratio that works. We figured out a thickness that works for this size. It. I'm expecting it to fit in one hand comfortably in a way that most Android phones don't. Boner. <laughs> Boner, take my money. Boner. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how they how they remarket that. Because remember when the when the iPhone. Five, I think, came out or whenever it was. They said you can use it with one hand. It's easiest thing to use with one hand, and that was the four-inch display, right? So now with a 4.7-inch, I wonder how they're gonna. This is even easier to use with the with your one hand. No, right? uh, they can't say that. I mean, they, they know no. physically that even the four-inch phone, you know, you have you have a, a four-inch display. It's kind of hard to reach the top of the screen with your thumb. You have to readjust your hand. Um, you know, with a a device like uh, the, you know, the LG G3. Oh, cool! It's like Meta. a. Oh. Um, so with with a device like this, you know, you you even though this is probably the most compact 5.5 inch display on the market, you cannot reach it without really struggling. So if Apple ever decides to release a 5.5 inch phone which has been heavily rumored, then you know they're never going to be able to say that it's a great one-handed phone anymore. They're going to have to change their marketing message to say that it works best in two hands and that you can get more done with yeah, two thumbs. Yeah, more and space and whatever. Yeah, more screen real estate and bigger is better. And Well, yeah, they're, they're always going to have the marketing that's going to be prepared with it, but I'm, I'm really interested in actually how that changes the experience and the comfort. Like, for as I said before, uh, with the, what was it, the Alpha, the build quality matters way more to me than screen size. And if it's if it's if it's taking advantage of everything that they've put into iOS, if it's crazy fast, if they if the enhanced size allows better battery life because they can just jam something in there or just something something, you know, keeping up uh, with camera advancements is a big deal. Like I I first started choosing iPhone because of the camera. Um, so that that's a thing, but I I think we know it's going to be I don't think it's going to blow anyone's mind, but I think it's going to be on par. I think it's uh, interesting. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I think, I don't know. I think it is going to blow people's minds. I think that there's a lot of features that uh, we don't know about, and I think the fact that if it's anything like Marcus Brownlee's demo of the Sapphire screen that he got that was purportedly from, directly from the production line, that is absurdly strong. 
and it'll make things so much better for people because how many people around Toronto do you see every day with broken iPhone screens actually still using them? I mean, it's insane that people still use their phone when their device yeah. is, is dangerous to them. And that goes back to, I was just looking at the comments on the Note 4 post, and I think it goes back to what Doug was saying about the specs don't really matter so much anymore. It's more about um, other improvements they can make to the device. So yeah, the super strong sapphire glass, but then two people on the Note post, who I assume don't know each other, said that if, it was, if they added waterproofing that they would buy it. Mm-hmm. So it's like different things are like you know becoming more important to people because once the specs level off at like a, a certain level of performance, they don't care anymore. And it's more about you know yeah like the software or you know how the phone is going to be protected every day or how the, how how well they can use it with one hand. Yeah, you know I have to say that when I got the Galaxy S5, I wasn't super impressed, and and then I I, I slowly over the course of a few months came to realize that the features that they added like the waterproofing were were really they were real-life benefits that you, you actually care about. You know, like being able to use it by a dock and not having to worry that if it falls in a lake, it'll die. Like, that's a, that's a huge advantage over most phones on, to, on today's market. Um, so, are you, so are you saying that, that the Galaxy S5 is your life's companion? Uh, no, that was the Galaxy S4. <laughs> yeah, they, the they took that one away. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it turned, it turned into a... Uh, you know, an ugly dog of of some sort, like a companion, but uh, you don't really want to acknowledge it. It's more of like a long weekend companion than a life's companion. But was it was it Samsung who had their ad campaign for? I think it might have been the S4. Was that it was? Um, they had like a life proof ad campaign, and it was yeah, it was like people on pools and camping and stuff like that. I can't yeah. remember if it was Samsung, but yeah. yeah they were they were they were jumping. Yeah, they're jumping, always jumping happily, and happily yeah. jumping. So let's, I mean, let's talk about um, iOS 8 for a second here because iOS 8 has been accused of copying uh, Android in many ways because it's bringing third-party keyboards, it's bringing extensions which allow apps to talk to one another. Doug's looking like a die of frustration. So let's, I mean, let's talk about it because, uh, you know, there's no question that Apple's development platform is far ahead of any other, that there are developers... Themselves who are willing to what talk talk to everyone? Talk. No, like sorry, uh, sorry. Can someone ask me how many fucks I give? <laughs> if, uh, how many fucks Doug. do you give? How many fucks do you give? Nary a fuck do I give? <laughs> like, why why nary a? Because it's about it's about the experience. It's about it's about how everything works together. It's about oh great, Apple finally opened it up to allow third party integration, and they're going to do it in a controlled way. Um, they, the stuff that they announced with iOS 8 where apps can be working together and share in, in a way that hopefully will benefit the consu- consumer, will benefit developers, and, and won't present you what uh, Android users are presented with when they download an app from the Google Play Store, which is a long list of all the ways in which that app wants to access everything about you, which oh, is very scary for a lot of users. No, I got, I got, no, that's that's a thing, man. They see, they, they download an app and they see, oh, it wants access to this, this, and this, and this, and this. It's very confusing. But I, I don't care where the features come from. I care about how they work together and if it adds up to something that I want to use. And to, to really think that, you know, third-party keyboards was this game-changing super idea that no one ever had before and... Apple's copying it. It's like no, they're like finally getting around to do it after after they did all the other things right. Like that's that's the least exciting thing about iOS eight. Okay, so I, what is I, the most exciting thing about iOS eight? 
Well, on the developer end, it's all the it's metal and it's the stuff that they're doing there to just have some like hot shit tools for developers to take advantage of the new chips. But then it's uh just off the top of my head going back, it's it's the stuff that they're doing with like HealthKit and, oh, yeah. and that they're they're creating all these little um nodal points for apps taking advantage of like biometrics, Internet of Things, stuff like that to to connect with. And the it's it's the idea that they're gonna make the iPhone your remote control for all the things that go on in your life. That's exciting to me. Um, I, and I, you know, and if, I also get to use a third-party keyboard that's, you know, 10% better than the, the stock iOS keyboard. That's great. But if someone thinks that's that's a game changer, like, A, you're not anything more than 1% of the market, and B, oh, like, Jesus, guys. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, yeah, the extension <laughs> stuff is interesting because, I, I mean, the keyboard stuff is interesting because it's a public part of that extension um, functionality. But I think the fact that you can use Touch ID to enter passwords through one password because they're opening up both extensions and Touch ID APIs makes it probably one of the coolest ways to take advantage of real-world functionality on your smartphone. So if you think about it, um, Touch ID could be implemented with a, uh, a Kivo lock so that when you get home, instead of using a key, you just open up the Kivo app, which is connected by Bluetooth to your Kivo front door lock, use your Touch ID, which takes your biometric fingerprint to unlock the door. I mean, that's pretty incredible, and I, I don't see any uh, Apple OEMs integrating that anytime soon. Yeah, and I guess when we were talking about iPhone 6, the one the one thing that, you know, in the device, I want to see, like, Touch ID is a, is a significant hardware thing for them that's that's separate, and I want to see how much farther they can take advantage of that. And then maybe they don't really talk about Siri when they talk about iOS 8, or they didn't before, so I'm wondering if they're maybe saving that a bit with a device. I want to see if they, they push that forward. But, like, fuck, it took, like, two years for the iPhone to get copy and paste, and what, what did that matter? Oh, it mattered. It mattered. Yeah, it mattered. Yeah, and everyone still made a huge deal out of this. Making think, a huge deal out of something doesn't mean that it matters. No, I know, but that's what I'm saying. Is so, much about I, so much about iOS in general is not, like, it's not notable. But because Apple makes you wait two years for it, and you got people, like, jizzing their pants over it when it finally becomes available, and it's, first it's hard to <laughs> in your pants, first time on podcast. No, but it's hard to differentiate between, like, for I, I guess for for users, especially who who are not so in depth into like the news, which, it's going to be hard for them to differentiate which features matter and which don't. Yeah, but I, I again to Doug's point, it's mostly the entire experience, and I think that's why iPhone users stay more loyal because they rarely get as frustrated by the features that are not not as well implemented as they do on Android, because the features that aren't as well implemented on Android are just broken. Whereas yeah, but I would rather have features that are poorly implemented than features that aren't implemented at all. And they're like, oh, the next version will have it in a year. No. That everyone gets the minutes it's available rather than, like, you're talking about in a year? How many Android users are still waiting for a KitKat update? So don't even talk to me about that. No, no, no. Oh, Hang on. Guys, go, 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 <laughs> guys. This is not a matter of, like, fragmentation versus features. This it is a can be. Of, like, it, it won't be. I'm ending the broadcast if it is. It's uh, that's basically our comments, um, but like in real life. Can we talk about Motorola? No, but we yes in a second. But I, I just wanna I wanna close this up because 
people on mobile syrup love to rag on Apple for a lot of things, and they say that it's more, it's too expensive, it's too small, it's too slow, it's they copy whatever. But in reality, when you're in in the world and you look at people using their phones, they generally, and this is less significant today than it used to be because Android is fantastic at most things. But the things that people in the Apple ecosystem had to wait for, when they finally got them, they were happier with than the equivalent feature on on Android. And I think that's important to note because there's nothing that, like, yes, back in the day it didn't have copy and paste and it didn't have background, you know, music playback. But, you know, what does that mean today when all OSs do everything well and the major advantage is that app developers still prefer one over the other, so the experience is, by and large, better on iOS than it is on Android. No, let, let's put it in a different way. So don't compare it to Android. Compare it to something like Windows Phone or BlackBerry 10, where if you go by a back-of-the-box feature list, you see a significant amount of parity or advantage on the other side. But if you ever spent, you know, 15 minutes with one of those phones, there's just going to be these little nagging things where there's a little bit of a hang-up, whether it's having to go three menu items deep on another thing, whether it's app crashing, whether it's just weird glitchiness, like a lack of smooth responsiveness, all, all of that is what relates to the holistic experience. Like, most OSs have the same features. It's how they're implemented. Are they implemented in a way that's easy to use? Are they implemented in a way that makes sense, that you don't have to fight the device or mm-hmm. find workarounds to the device uh, or, you know, battery pull the device? <laughs> um, you know, I... I, I had a an, an interesting kind of epiphany um, when Drew Bamford, the uh, designer of Sense uh, at HTC, uh, gave an interview over um, the last couple of days because the company's launching Zoe, which is their first uh, cross-Android app. Uh, it's to create highlight reels with photos and videos. And he said that back in the day, HTC never would have allowed him to start his own software company within HTC itself, like the execs never would have given him that free reign to do it. And he said that the reason the execs were like, yeah, go go ahead, we're good, is because Sense as, a, as an overlay on top of Android does not need nearly as much work anymore. He said that Android by itself doesn't need to be improved upon. It's just good as it is. And Jane, you're a Nexus user. You know how great stock Android is. You know that it does most things really well and that uh, it's competing with Apple in in almost every respect these days. No, I agree. And I think what Doug was saying um, earlier on about when he was saying if you if you look at something like, you know, BB10 or Windows Phone, it's it's so much more of an issue. And when we're, we're going to talk about it later, but the, the HTC one, the, the Windows 8 version, like, you're fighting the device. And I feel like you can have the same hardware, but it really is, yeah, it's the implementation, and it's like it can it can just be so bad, and I don't think it's, I, I think we're beyond the point where we're comparing, you know, Android and, and iOS. I think it's, you know, I think they both have their strengths and weaknesses, but by and large, they, they offer, they both offer amazing user experiences, but it's it's the other OSs, the smaller ones that are, that are more problematic, I think. Yeah, so let, let's talk about um, one of those devices that has a great holistic experience, hardware and software. Doug, uh, you brought it up earlier, Motorola is launching a uh, couple of new phones the same day, actually, or the day after the uh, the Note 4. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk about it. Does Motorola really matter 
in, in this market anymore. I mean, the Moto X was my phone of the year last year because of, of more about what it didn't try to do than what it did do. It was a really uh, beautifully simple phone, and I really loved that. Uh, what do you guys expect from the Moto X Plus One or the Moto G2? Uh, Jane, are, are you excited about this? Um, I don't know if I'm excited about the G2. I mean, I was reading about the G2 earlier this week, and it sounds like it sounds like it's going to be more of like a G Plus One. It doesn't sound like it's going to be the next version. It sounds like it's going to be the same version but better, but also more expensive. And I think that it that takes away for me, the most impressive part of the, the Moto G, which was that it balanced price and specs so perfectly. So... <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> so, I think, I think yeah, I think it balanced price and specs so perfectly, and if the rumors are true about it, it's going to cost, you know, you know, 75, 100 bucks more than the last version, I don't think that the improvements in the specs are there to support that increase in price, and it takes away the magic of that phone, which is that it's cheap and it's powerful enough. But, yeah. um... Yeah, so I'm not excited about the the G2 at all. I'm excited about the X Plus One because I feel like they'll probably price it around the same, and it'll be yeah, like the same but better. But is that is that what the market wants? I mean, Doug, do you think that that uh, I mean, given it, it, the fact that it's it's over a year later now, and the market has changed so much for Android, uh, is there room for just another version of the Moto X that's a little bit bigger and a little bit faster and a little bit higher resolution, but with the same sort of general feature set? Or do they have to do something radical like active notifications again? Well, I think, so, yes, if, if as Jane's saying, they keep... It's always the price to feature. Like, the cool thing about what Motorola is doing, or was doing, at least under Google, and hopefully you're still doing under Lenovo, is that they were trying to create a series of Android devices with a specific identity and purpose. So the extent to which... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. They can ride that line and still achieve that purpose defines whether or not just more of the same will be enough because what they're able to provide in performance is, has to be based upon that, that price expectation, like the feature expectation. So um, I'm, I'm still interested. In, I'm interested in how those devices perform, not interested in the device itself in terms of ownership so much, but I think, you know, they still matter because Lenovo, the biggest PC supplier in the world, is now, I think, shipping more phones than PCs. I yeah, that, that was announced today, and that's that's fantastic because that means that uh, they're just knocking down, like, these companies like Lenovo, Huawei, um, you know, Xiaomi, they're, they're just knocking Samsung and Apple down a peg in a lot of these uh, developing markets. Yeah, they're in a race to a bottom, but, but, but these bottom devices, in a sense, where it's smart to own at that price point, where it can get you something. So, again, it's, it, got, it has to be that hands-on. We have to play with it more to see if that, that balance is there, but I, I'm always interested in the companies who are trying to do specific things with phones rather than just uh, compile or composite a series of specs based upon what they can afford and then put it out with a, a dumb name. Um, but that being said, more interested in the Moto 360. Oh, definitely. 
Yeah. yeah, it's weird that Motorola's flagship hardware is a smartwatch instead of a phone, but that's because more interesting things can be done with phones right, or watches right now. Um, and it just looks like just the hottest. It's just, just so sexy. It's just such a <laughs> pretty... That screen... Mm, I don't know if I need it. I don't know if it's better than just a regular old watch on my wrist, which I don't wear anyways because I have a phone. But it does It does look... It's, it's, it, it is slightly boner, take my money. But, Ian, I, but, I, but I won't connect to your iPhone. Yeah. It, well, we don't know, but probably well, not. We don't know, but it probably won't. So... Ian, do you think you would ever switch to Android for a, a great accessory like a Moto 360? Uh, it'll be tough to me to switch to get a watch. Oh. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not a watch guy, right? I, dro- I dropped the watch when I got a phone. Um, you just dropped it on the floor and just left it left it there for somebody just, to pick up? Just like you drop a microphone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm totally looking forward to seeing what happens with smartwatches, right? Because there's been... Well, the Android or the LG G watches there, the Samsung Gear, lots of smartwatches. Yep. It'll be interesting to see what Motorola does, and that is the nicest one. Daniel, so did you far. see it at, at Google I/O? He touched the, the 360. Yeah. I, I oh. wore it. Yeah, so did I wore it too, and I was like super excited about it before I went, and then I saw it in person. And I was kind of like, oh, it's kind of like that guy that you meet online, and then you meet him in person. And you're like, oh, he's kind of funny looking. Like, it was just, like, like it looked so hot in the pictures, and then I, like, saw it in real life, and I was kind of like, oh. So do you think it's more geared to you? (laughs) Do you think it's geared to more a male audience, then? Oh, for sure, they all are. Like, they're all massive and ugly and thin. But the Moto 360, or the, is it the 360, is is much, much nicer, but it's still, like, when I saw it in person, like, this is, like, sort of thin-ish, or at least the design, like, the the, the two-tone gives it the impression that it's thin, but... The Moto 360 is still really, really thick on your wrist, and yeah, it's still not like like they're like, oh, this is unisex, and I'm like, no, it's not. Like, I don't. I might wear it, but I like not like anywhere nice. <laughs> so. But, yeah, but I, I think that applies to guys too. No, because you could definitely. I feel like if I don't know, we, if we went to an event and or a wedding or something, and you were in a suit and I was in a dress, like you could get away with wearing the watch, and I definitely couldn't. I would look like a tool. Yeah, think about those guys who wear those big Hublots as well. Like, it is a little bit easier to get away with that for a guy, I think. But but that's those are the considerations that happen with, like, wearable tech that we don't think about anymore because even, even the sexiest phones, people put in, like, stupid $20 plastic cases, right? Because they, they go in your pocket unless you're pulling them out. So um, it's, it's, it saddens me for you to say that the Moto 360 looks sexier in photo than it does in person. Well, you might not think so, because the reason I liked it was because I was like, hey, that looks like something I would actually wear, which is not something that I could say about any of the other ones. And then, like, I thought the gear fit at at MWC was really, really nice. Like, I thought that was a great-looking device, but it was a piece of shit. So there's, like, always the trade-off, it seems. Like, it's either going to look like crap or it's going to work like crap. So, I don't know. I'm I'm sure that you will love it in person because, you know, you have man wrists. Yeah, I don't know if it's a matter of, of that. I, I think a guy looks stupid wearing a T-shirt with a big watch, too. I mean, you know, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a gender thing. It's a size thing. And I think, um, you know, the Moto 360 looked bigger in photos than it does in real life. And I think the Moto 360 looks better than the other two by a mile. And oh, it I think does. It definitely you could easily it. pull it off. It's, just, it's, a, it's also a matter of normalization, right? If you see enough people wearing something, it becomes trendy. It becomes... 
it becomes just you know another. I agree, piece of and that's why I don't think size is I don't think size is the issue because you see like see these girls wearing these like massive Michael Kors watches with the huge huge faces on them, and so they're not like like they love big, they love chunky, they just don't like ugly. Yeah, I don't think the Moto 360 is ugly. I think it it's it's not as attractive of, as if uh you know a Michael Kors partnered with Google and created an Android Wear watch. But I think that's going to come next. I think Fossil and Omega and Belova and Tag, all these companies but, are in the process of creating smartwatches. They're just doing forever. it forever. Okay, like we yeah. did, like so, we covered the Tory Burch thing. Tory Burch had like accessories for Fitbit, and I think that's the perfect solution, which is that the hardware is like the face, and then everything else is in the accessories. So Tory Burch has like wristbands that you can like put the put the Fitbit in, and they've got necklaces. Wouldn't that be so much easier than? Then fossil partnering with Google. Why doesn't Google just make like a module that can be inserted into tons of other accessories or watches? So we kind of made this point with the Note 4 in the sense that phablets have now reached the point where they're starting to solidify around certain sizes so then that they can do more to customize. And right now that's performance and specs, but it's not going to be like another three years until watches, like they can get the hardware to be small enough and interesting enough so that the A, it does something, and that B, that they can have different form factors and sizes based upon, you know, aesthetic and, and demographic rather than this is as small as we can get this technology to be at the time, right? Right. Um, I mean, it's it's significant to note that the Gear Live and the G-Watch both have off-the-shelf Snapdragon 400 chips inside of them. So there are there are companies like like Qualcomm and Intel making um, smartwatch-specific... I mean, Jane, you pointed this... You, you wrote about this, that PowerVR, the uh, company behind the rogue GPUs inside the Apple uh, iPhone um, 5S, they're making smartwatch-specific GPUs that are so small but uh, powerful enough to get the job done that they'll lower power consumption by, like, 50% and increase battery life uh, the same amount. So, you know, the next generation of smartwatch is going to be significantly smaller or at least thinner and uh, last twice as long, just like phones do. Yeah. Right, and Intel is doing the same. Intel has, like, an entire wearables slash Internet of Things um, thing going on. They, they talked about CES, but it is, it's a problem that, like, if you're going to be an early adopter, it's, gonna, it's not going to be attractive. It's not going to be fashionable. It's just going to be... Like essentially a status symbol of, like, look what I have, and you have to look because it's in your face because it's so fucking big. Yeah, agreed. Um, but, okay, so uh, let's, let's, let's move on, um, you know, to talk about another couple of companies that are struggling in the smartphone world, Microsoft and HTC. And uh, Microsoft bought Nokia, and uh, they are now Microsoft devices, and they're releasing a couple of Windows phones next month. And... This month, on August 19th, HTC is releasing a version of their uh, M8 in Windows Phone form. Uh, what, what's, what's good? What's bad? What's pointless? Are they both stupid? Are they good products? Uh, Ian, are you even, do you even care about Windows Phone anymore, even though the, there's a big update recently? Yeah, I think Windows Phone, I think, I think, it's a, I think it looks good. Uh, personally, I haven't used it very much. Do I think HEC needs to produce produce one? 
I don't know. It seems like a, like a stretch, you know? Like, it seems like they're trying to reach and just reach for another audience to tap into. The the M8 is a beautiful device. It's, it's sexy. It's just like the M7, um, but, but better. Uh, they haven't released... When was the last... What was the last device that HEC released? Like, two years ago. Windows phone. So, two, two years. The 8X. That's a good phone, though. So, it's been two years. Right, yeah. so I wonder what the Windows Phone enthusiasts will say. Where, where have you been? And now you're here. So it, on the other hand, it could be maybe the right time that HEC says, "Hey, we're the we're the flagship Windows Phone." Except that Microsoft now makes their own Windows phones. Like, it's it's basically Google coming out with a Nexus product, saying, "Screw HTC, we're gonna buy Asus." and start creating our own Nexus products. And, you know, OEMs ba- are basically like, well, then why should we participate in these programs if you guys are going to get the features first and the specs and, and the uh, and, and the best phones? So, But it's just like Samsung, because Sam- people know Samsung. Hey, I want to get that Samsung phone, and it's Android. Mm-hmm. So HTC says, could be, maybe. They could say, yeah, I, w- I want to get that. HTC phone, but it runs Windows. No, the problem... HTC that's never going to happen. I know. That's why I said it's a stretch. <laughs> the reason why HTC is making Windows phones is because no one says, I want to go get that HTC phone. They're trying to find <laughs> space in the market. Right. Right? Um, which is why it's like, you know, God bless, but it's confusing because to the extent that Windows phone devices have sold, have they been purchased because they're Windows phone devices or were they purchased because they were Nokia devices and the Lumia line would appeal to a certain demographic? So I wonder if... I feel like nobody buys a Windows phone on purpose. And that's the problem. I feel like nobody nobody who knows anything about phones buys a Windows phone on purpose. Maybe it's top down from, from the business. No, but, but, but that's my point. Are they being sold Lumia devices and Lumia features and, like, uh, the unique coloring and the focus on the camera and things like that, and they're like, oh, it also happens to work with your your PC laptop really well. Like, are they buying, like, why are people buying these devices? Are they buying for the hardware? Because they're not necessarily, I don't think anyone's buying for the platform. So if no one was willing to buy an HTC Android phone, why are they going to be more willing to buy an HTC Windows phone? Are they just trying to steal, like, I, I... and I'm, I'm a fan of HTC devices. I think they're like, you know, they're another company that makes, they have a design ideology. They're trying to do at least interesting things. They don't look like other devices. I just I just don't know, like, are they going to expand the Windows phone market? Because people who weren't willing to buy an HTC Android phone are going to buy a Windows phone now? Or But it's the same phone. So it would have to be, like, specifically people who are looking for a Windows. They're like, oh, I just haven't found the hardware that I want yet. Like I'm so I guess so badly want a Windows like a Windows Phone device, but the hardware thing you know, I, I don't like. It would have to be someone who wants the the M8 but wants a window. I don't understand. Like, so what do I you saw think, I, know? I saw an interesting chart this morning. About 80% of Windows phones sold around the world are in the $200 or below price point, whereas Android kind of sits in the middle. They sell a lot of everything. They sell a lot of sub-200, 200 to 400, and 400 plus. And Apple obviously has no 400 plus or below 400 devices, so they sell old iPhones much cheaper, and then the newer devices are far more expensive. But what's really interesting is that in in countries like India 
and um, in South America and in parts of Europe, Windows Phone is actually quite successful because the way that our carriers subsidize handsets or higher higher cost handsets don't exist there. So you, you're going to spend 500 euros for a high-end phone, or you're going to spend 100 euros for an entry-level Windows phone. And until recently, until KitKat came out, high-end Android phones were really the only devices on the platform that got you a, a good experience. Low-end Android phones sucked. They were just terrible. And that's why Google really tried hard to um, optimize Wind, uh, Android 4.4, KitKat, for 512 megabyte to one gigabyte devices because those cost much less. Um, and what you're seeing now is that Android's eating away at that low-end market that Windows Phone had for a very short amount of time. So, yeah, I mean, Nokia is... They make some fantastic high-end phones, but most of the Lumia sold around the world are, you know, $100, and the most successful Lumia so far is the Lumia 520. So, yeah, I think HTC has a chance to capture a little bit of that high-end Windows Phone market, but that per, that percentage as a whole is so minuscule that it doesn't even matter. Yeah, and I don't know if they're going to grow the market in any way either. Um, and you just even, I was just seeing something today on Microsoft even looking to sell uh, like $150 non-Windows Phone phones, like Series 30 phones, um, which is interesting. Yeah, uh, I mean, that Nokia, uh, what was that, the Microsoft... Uh, $25 phone that yeah. uh, you guys talked about earlier this week. That, that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's, um, that's a dumb phone, though. It's like a, it's a, it doesn't have internet access. I think, I think it's like a whole different it's a whole different kettle of fish. I don't, don't see it being appealing to, to anybody outside of like the developing market or someone who's traveling and needs to make phone calls. Yeah, the Nokia 130. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because uh, significant portions of the company they just garroted made a lot of phones like this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, oh, yeah, do yourself a favor, uh, Serbcast listeners and watchers. Spend some time reading Tomi Honan's editorial on what went down between Nokia and Microsoft. We talked about it on a podcast a few weeks ago, uh, Culture Club Sandwich, I believe. And he, uh, he's a long-time ex-Nokia uh, executive, long-time mobile analyst, and he just breaks it down. And there's some good reference links to, to see more of this stuff. But so then you're talking about the the lack of the um, lack of a high end. So then what's going on with Purview? Pureview. Purview. Well, the Purview on Pureview yes. is that uh, Nokia had some of the best imaging technology, some of the best imaging patents, and some of the smartest uh, imaging minds in the world, and uh, a lot of them. They stayed at Microsoft, and I think that they're going to continue producing some fantastic devices. Uh, there, it, it, it can't be overstated just how incredible the uh, Lumia 1020 is in terms of imaging. And even though it's not the fastest phone because it has a pretty slow processor, it makes some crazy good photos. So I hope that they come out with another you know, pure view like the 1020 because there's a market for that. Uh, selfie phones? There's a market for selfie phones? No, nobody wants to take... I mean, yes, there's a market for selfies because everybody's so freaking vain, but you don't have to market it as a selfie phone. I mean, please. Well, if you're going to grow your market share, like, at least you're offering something, like, hey, we're a, the phone or the platform to do this. Like, what? No, the selfie phone is oh, the Facebook phone of 2014. 
Seriously, nobody. I mean, every phone has a high, has a good front-facing camera. You can take a decent selfie with like with practically anything. But no, only the only people interested in the Facebook phone were tech writers. Whereas I could see. But even we didn't care. Yeah, uh, but I could I could see uh, the average person being like, "This is the best phone for photos." Oh, slash you know, a single no, person who would say, "Oh, I bought this phone because I wanted to take great selfies." Yes. There should be a phone for I, food then. <laughs> in this, in the same way that people used to buy phones based upon how the keyboard felt in their hands, or that it came in a certain color that they liked, decisions are made upon this. Yeah, but you use the keyboard for everything on your phone, and you see that color every day. You're not going to be taking selfies twenty four seven. It's like the Facebook. It is the Facebook phone because it's like you're not going to be hitting that Facebook button like every time you take your phone out of your pocket, as opposed to the keyboard which you do use or the color which you see all the time. Jane just revealed that she's not as young as she looks because if she was as young as my niece, who's maybe a few, like I guess a few years younger, she would be taking selfies every five minutes. Yeah, I think um, the last statistic that uh, I read was that teens take an average of six thousand selfies a day. What? Um, so yeah, and they, I think they one, send like one person takes six thousand pictures a day. I think they send on average forty million texts per day too. Yes. So and yeah. that pure, pure emoji. Pure emoji. That's that's the name of this podcast. Forget pure, pure view. Pure emoji. That's pure right. emoji thought would be oh my god. Yeah, you take a photo and it just like projects a bunch of hot dog emojis onto the screen. That's the new BlackBerry Passport, guys. One big hot dog emoji. Uh, okay. So let's get a let's get to a phone that. Let's get to. Wait, uh, I want to ask one more question about this this pure view selfie. Terror. The Superman camera? Um, to go back to our last conversation, is anybody going to buy it? Like, okay, Doug, how old is your niece? And what kind of phone does she use? She's in her... Uh, early 30s. 20s, early 20s. <laughs> uh, no, she's a university student. I think she's like 21, 22. And what and, phone does she use? Uh, she uses, I believe, an iPhone. Oh, so do you think that she, if someone told her, hey, you can take super awesome selfies, all you have to do is switch to Windows Phone, would she be like, hot dog, switch me over? No, they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't tell her switch to Windows Phone. They would say, hey, this, this new uh, Lumia phone takes the best photos for you to share on Instagram and Facebook and whatever. And her next concern was, does it run Instagram and Snapchat? And they would say... I my iMessage contacts. That's that's the number one complaint I hear from people who who have to switch. Uh, that would be that would be interesting. I, I would have to ask her specifically. I know that that's a thing, but I think if I think if Snapchat's there, then it's it not. doesn't matter. Snapchat's not there. Snapchat is not on Windows Phone. But anyway, Rude, that's, yeah. But you know what is uh, what does have Snapchat? The the One Plus One, because I'm Snapchatting you a dick pic right now. <laughs> Ian. I don't have Snapchat, thank God. I, I just got it. Oh, yeah, thank you. Uh, so this is, um, this is a phone that has been a little bit controversial of late, uh, the OnePlus One. And we were pretty excited to talk about this last week, and then the company went and not only shot itself in the foot, but basically took a 12-gauge shotgun and blasted its foot right off perhaps both feet. Um, this is the company that came out with one of the most sexist contests we've ever seen. Uh, Jane wrote an amazing article about just how 
objectionable the content was. But basically, the company decided to run a contest for its few beautiful fans where uh, you would take a photo of yourself with a an object that has the OnePlus logo on it, and then the forum members would vote on the top 50 photos. Now... And also uh, specified you could draw that logo on yourself, too. On Yeah, well, please, ladies, no nudity. <laughs> um, so, of course, what happened was guys salivated at the mouth at the, at the chance to uh, rate a bunch of half-naked ladies with OnePlus logos on them, and then the company cried uh, ignorance and said, we had no idea that people would respond like this. Of course we hadn't uh, a clue that uh, young men who are living on forums would want to see photos of naked women. <laughs> You know, so uh, yeah. But this is this is an interesting uh, situation because the phone itself is fantastic. It's a 5.5 inch device. It runs Cyanogen uh, 11, which is um, one of the newest versions of Android, and it's it's bit pretty much a stock version that builds on what uh, Google has created, but adds a bunch of really interesting features. So you know, I can I can draw a circle on the screen. And uh, it will launch the camera, um, you know, things like that. Little little kind of features that make it a little bit of a better experience. But even Cyanogen, the company that creates the software, had a problem with this with this uh, contest. So, Doug, does does this do these antics uh, take away from the idea of buying a phone from a company like this? I mean, you wrote the app, the ethics of app use. Does that extend to hardware manufacturers as well? Um, okay, so I would say that this was offensive on a lot of different levels in a lot of different ways. Um, and it's also not the first time uh, that OnePlus has done weird things or just, just really lame ways to try and attempt to promote this. Like, weren't they, they were, like, withholding invites or something before, or you'd have to share a certain amount of time. Like, they, there have been a few ways in which they've done weird stuff to try and promote this uh, device. Now, where that relates to the value of the device itself, which I've been seeing you play with, and it, it does look, it's, you know, it's an interesting phone. It's, it's, it's pretty and it's, yeah. Um, but I think you can, you can separate the marketing a little bit from the, the manufacturing and the, and the company behind it because this, is, this isn't a situation where at, at the executive level, I think there's like, as we were talking about with um, Tinder, Tinder, where you know, at a company-wide cultural level, there's a problem with um, their views on women and their value of women. Whereas this is just, are just a really stupid idea. Yeah, like I, um, that was one thing that that struck me that um, the spokesperson for for OnePlus is actually female. So I I emailed straight away and I was like, what's this about? And I think the way, like, that statement that she sent me, I don't know if she wrote it, I don't know who it came from, but the statement that she sent, I felt was very telling to, to what you were saying, where it is just, a, there's, like, basically a case of, like, there's dickheads in every company. Because she said, the ladies' first contest was a very misguided effort by a few isolated employees to do just that. So I think that it is a case of everyone, there's, it's, not, it's not a problem with the entire company, it's a problem with some people who work there. And it is important to know that this wasn't a, a super huge marketing effort. It was a forum contest for their members. It was. It wasn't yeah. supposed to be this yeah. massively huge promotional thing. Not a nationwide. It was in celebration of them. Yeah. yeah. It's. It was. It's a forums related stuff. So it's. It's not like they launched a nationwide campaign 
around getting women to take photos of themselves. No. I think that would be slightly different. So I think in terms of, you know, the ethics of the, the type of companies that we support and things behind them, I, I think this is um, some rogue dudes doing some just not smart things in promotion of, of the device. One of the things that's like, I feel like women in, in tech and, and kind of sexism in the workplace, so to speak, is... It's such a it's like so much deeper of an issue than than it, and it cannot be cured um anytime soon. But it is a case of people just being stupid. It's like they can be sexist all they want as long as they don't bring it to work with them, <laughs> which is the issue here. Well, they shouldn't be, but uh, no, I, I know, but I'm not naive enough to think that if you tell someone like, oh, you shouldn't do that because that's wrong, they're gonna go, oh, I had no idea. They still think that you know. No, they're gonna say, oh, I had no idea, but then then yeah. they'll actually curse you under their breath when you leave the room. Um, you know, that's that's kind of what's happening here. And I, I think a lot of people at OnePlus, a lot of people in, in our comments, too, were like, this is completely BS. It's overblown. It's a bunch of, you know, cats and, and, and that word that you, you use for, for, for cats and, 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 like, people just blowing things out of proportion. And, and I think that that's really not, not fair because, you know, you get to tell what you, – you get to say what's offensive. And, and if something's offensive to, to a lot of people – it's not just one person who came out and said this is a terrible contest. Tons of people were like, this is offensive to me, and you have to acknowledge that, regardless of whether you right. think it's offensive. Yeah, there's, there's, it didn't last very long before <laughs> it got shut down. Um, but I will say, you know, I do believe, believe that there's a difference between this kind of low-level stupidity and some of the higher-level things. And we're working on a tete-a-tete right now about... Um, just really bad marketing, really bad smartphone marketing, really bad tech marketing, um, and I, I think I think this is on the lower level. I don't I don't say that this is necessarily like forgivable, but I don't I wouldn't equate this. I wouldn't say oh everyone at OnePlus is sexist. They're a sexist brand. I can't use their products in a way that I would have a problem with. Like within the construction of a company, Tinder just doesn't seem to respect women or value them, um, which is a broader tech issue. But I, I will say that my takeaway would be that more, you know, one plus one is run by people that allow them to do a lot of really dumb things in the promotion of their phone. Agreed. And that person or people should be let go. But uh, the company itself, I think, is uh, is pretty sound. And it has and what I, what I think is so telling is that a year ago the best cheap phone was the Nexus, and today we have an embarrassment of riches. I mean, we have devices like the Moto G, which is 180 bucks um, on, or sorry, 225 bucks for an LTE uh, version with um, eight gigs of, of internal storage and a micro SD slot and LTE connectivity, uh, which is a great phone for less than half the price you'd spend on a, on a regular flagship. Uh, we have devices like the OnePlus One, which are $300 uh, for the 16 gig version and then 350 for the 64 gig version, and a device like this would never have been uh, $350 even a year ago. So we're making some great advances in commoditization of, uh, of high-end uh, components. And I think that OnePlus is not making much money on this. They've acknowledged that they're not making much money on this, but it's, it's a loss leader. They're trying to get into the market. The marketing campaign, the price of the device itself, the fact that they're teaming up with a very well-known hacker-type 
uh, development team like Cyanogen Mod speaks to the fact that they're really just trying their best to penetrate the North American smartphone market, which, as we can tell from companies like Alcatel One Touch, Huawei, is very difficult to do, but they're making their best attempts. Um, so let's talk about that. Is, is the Nexus even relevant anymore? We've seen rumors that the Nexus 6 is going to be a Motorola device. It'll be 5.9 inches. We've seen early benchmarks that say that it's going to run a Snapdragon 801 processor. Do you guys even care about a Nexus? Jane, are you going to replace your Nexus 5 with a Nexus 6? Yeah. Um, yes. Um, I know that I've forsaken... I've owned every single Nexus device that they have made. Um, and every time they release a new one, I, I say I don't need it, and then I buy it. Um, I've said that I would consider the, consider the iPhone 6 if it's you know everything they say it will be, but thinking about the process of switching from Android to iOS is kind of scary and daunting, and I think that I've gotten to the point, especially with the Nexus phones, where I don't care about the specs anymore because, as as Doug said, you know, it's it doesn't really matter. Android is, has reached a point where it runs well on on a phone like the Nexus Five, which is you know a cheaper device um, with specs that don't measure up to any of the current flagships, and was kind of a low spec device for last year's flagships too. So I don't care what's inside; I will buy it. So <laughs> why is that? Because um, of because stock? it yeah for stock and for the fact that the updates are fast. Right, so that to to you that is a much better value proposition than say a good camera. Right, um, I know that you and I have many arguments over the camera on the Nexus Five <laughs> because it's but, terrible. Um, I would like if they made it better. Um, they told me a while ago that they did, they would make it better, and then they released an update, and it was kind of okay. So. Mm -hmm. Um, no, I, I don't have, in general, don't have a lot of problems with the camera on my phone. I don't use the camera on my phone as my only camera. It's not, I'm not the person who threw out all their cameras once they got a camera phone, so. So, I want we to now... take nice pictures. Sorry, go ahead. So, your, your, um, your crush at Google I.O., David, uh, the Irish David, um, he, he, uh, confirmed that the Nexus program is not dead, in fact, that Android Silver is a real thing, though we don't know what it is, but that the Nexus program is not dead. So we know that there's a Nexus 9 or a Nexus 8 or whatever. It's being created by HTC with the codename Volantis. And we know that there is some sort of a Nexus smartphone in the works, uh, probably from uh, Motorola, because LG said that they're not creating a Nexus smartphone this year. So things are looking pretty good. It's going to be a crazy busy month. We're going to be covering the Motorola uh, announcements in Chicago in, uh, on September 4th, and we will also have all the latest updates from IFA and from uh, the uh, Galaxy Note 4 launch on September 3rd, and we hope that that HTC Windows Phone W8 does come to Canada, though it seems like it's only a Verizon exclusive for now. So are you guys looking forward to this? Uh, are you guys going to line up for the iPhone 6 like, uh, like all the other chumps in Toronto? Yep. Yep. Are you actually? I don't know. Why not? It's a. It's a. Because no. you have like a life and a website and like two children <laughs> and a lovely wife and ten other things that you could do before lining up for a fucking um, iPhone. Or or staff writers that can line up for you. Yeah. Like, well, hey. You know, you know what I found. <laughs> you know what I found about. Jane, you just got yourself to trouble. I thought you were gonna say or staff okay. writers who like need attention, and I was like, yeah, I totally need attention. It's like, you know, no. you know what I found about lining up though is that you can. You can you can choose to line up online and be one of the first people to get the phone, or you can go an hour after or two hours after and just simply walk right in. That's happened for the do last you, couple of years. Have you lined up before? 
Yeah, I lined up overnight. And like, was everyone around you like, like, were they all your kind of people, or were they like? Yeah, what do you mean, my kind of people? No, I mean like, no, because I've lined up for, I've lined up for embarrassing things before. (laughs) I get there and I'm like, like. I'm like, first of all, I get there and I'm like, I'm the coolest person here. And then I realize that I'm not. Like, I'm just like them. And that, like, lining up for a product at midnight is stupid. And you should be ashamed. And I was so, ashamed. So you're calling me stupid and I should yes. be ashamed? And we go wallow my self-pity? <laughs> because you just said yourself, you can buy it an hour later. Yeah. But Especially if you're getting it from a carrier. There's no, there's never a queue outside Rogers. Oh, yeah, but you can get it un- unlocked from the Apple oh, Okay, so, guys, anyway. even with the the five... Five or was it the 4S? The 4S was still impossible to get in Toronto, as little as two years ago when it came out. For for how long? For quite a bit of time, like maybe a couple even, months, right? Yeah, months after. It, the The lack of a need for a lineup is more about the fact that these devices don't change enough for people to really want to to do that. Um, Granted, so, the different the 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 major difference probably why you could just walk right in is because the five to the 5S wasn't a massive upgrade. Right. Right, so maybe it might be different. Am I gonna line up and buy one? Probably not, uh, but, but I'm gonna buy one. But we if you line I mean, up and buy one, I will never stop making fun of you. Okay, so we're we've every year since the iPhone 4S came out, we've gone to the Eaton Center the morning of the uh, launch, and we've done interviews, and we've done press, and we've taken photos, and we've seen the crazy line that that uh, links around the upstairs. And it's fun. I mean, the Apple employees make it fun, and it's kind of an interesting experience to see a bunch of nerds lining up for a piece of technology the way that they did for like a Beatles concert. I mean, that it's it's kind of interesting. I don't really feel the need to do that, and and I I think it's more for you know the fact that it's it's just a fun place to be as a journalist to see all these people really excited about. A, yeah, a but that's because it's event. fun from like an anthropological point of view. It's not fun because you're like, oh, everyone like I like I would go because I'm like, oh, like what, well, you know, yeah, to talk to the people who are doing it and be like, why are you lining up? Like, right. what is the right. benefit to you? So I, I think I just, what you should just, go undercover, Jane, and uh, line up with them and then get a bunch of really good interviews and then uh, then you can tell us all about it in a really long wire, four thousand yeah. word story that you are assigned. <laughs> Right. I think you just got nominated to work the line this year. Yeah, you just put your foot in it. Okay, well, um, this is uh, this has been a, a very very entertaining, I hope, uh, hour or so. And uh, thank you for for tuning in, Ian. Thanks for joining us. I know you you had a, a busy day. Um, so we, as we talked about uh, at the beginning of the podcast, as you you didn't hear. Uh, we just acknowledge that the the mobile serif 3.0 is a work in progress, and uh, we're gonna work very hard and do our best to answer everybody's feedback and um, try to find the right compromises because we know that this is your site. Uh, this is a site that people come to every day, people love and uh, care about a lot. So, uh, do you have anything to add to that? Myself, no. I. I've- I'm not too sure what you said at the beginning, but I, I echo that. It, it is a work in progress. We're listening to the feedback, which is probably the the, the greatest thing that we can get, right? Because as much as we enjoy doing the news and reporting, and this is uh, this is what we do, uh, we care about what people say and what and how they feel when they're on the site. All right. Well, to that end, thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, we will see you next Friday for another episode of Syrupcast. Thank you to Doug. 
and to Jane and to Ian and to uh, everybody who uh, who spent the time. All right, talk to you later. Boner. Bye. <laughs> boner, boner. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.